because a lot of people is confused that school equals education, that education comes in many forms that you're just looked down upon. Right. I come from a society where my parents, oh, you must go to this school. And I went to those schools and what, you know, it's not like they taught me to become better people. It's not like I'm any better than someone else. And I realize that I'm only where I am because of the people that have helped me. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day, they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Until tomorrow, no code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker to a European Ivy League business graduate to a hypnotherapist to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get from experts the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. My guest today is in love with giving and helping. His name is Junaid Iqbal. From being a Columbia University graduate, to today, helping companies find the right candidates who will excel because of their strengths, not their degrees. Junaid will help us today see our worth, know our worth, and communicate our worth so that people respect you more and your company is valued in the, mar- in the marketplace in the right way. And this changes everything. Junaid. How are you today? I'm doing amazing. Wow, that was a great intro. Uh, it's always interesting. So it's clear you've done your research on me. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I would like to ask you a question that maybe there is a, a bit of a juxtaposition of opposites or opposition of opposites, which is you're a Columbia University graduate, yet you help people without degrees find jobs where they were excel. What brought you to this moment where you realize that a lot of people have a lot of potential and that in some way it's like saying that the degree isn't really as big of a deal as people make it? You know what? The thing is, the degree is as big of a deal as you make it for yourself. So if you define yourself by your degree, that's who you'll be. In my opinion, if I'm 40, 50 years old, and the only thing I have is that I went to Columbia, I haven't done much with my life, right? Like how many people are, say, 50, 60 years old and they're like, I went to Harvard. But it's, who cares? 40 years have passed. What else have you done, right? So how did I come about finding no degree, right? And this juxtaposition, I always get that. Like you have a master's degree. How'd you find no degree? Now, the thing is, just because I have a master's degree does not mean I don't realize the privilege that I have, right? I realize that the degree doesn't always define me. And I also realize the degree doesn't always define 
people. There are many people who are very intelligent and they couldn't go to college, whatever reason, family. Some people are just not book smart, right? It doesn't mean they're dumb, right? You can tell smart, you're smart. You can talk to some of the smartest people in the world that you know. Ask them to change their car tire. Ask them to change oil. They could watch a YouTube video and they'll still struggle, right? Versus like someone who can sort of look at it visually, use their spatial reasoning and kind of understand and pick it up quickly. So that intelligence comes in many forms. And having gone to Colombia, a lot of the kids are very wealthy. These are parents who are paying them three, four, five, six thousand dollars a month in rent. How are you going to talk about meritocracy when your parents are paying more in rent than people making salaries? And this is on top of their parents having their own lives, right? So it's just that the Ivy League is a very narrowly defined form of intelligence that a lot of the kids are very wealthy. They come from backgrounds where they can take extracurricular activities like Think about like me, I could never row. I couldn't afford to row and participate in lacrosse and all these other sports. I didn't even really know of them as sports, right? I'm an inner city kid. So, I mean, I won't keep on going. I could go on forever, but just to give a glimpse. No, this is beautiful because we want to know the man behind, you know, the no degree and all that stuff. So I noticed some things that you talked about there. One of the things that it seems to me that the way that you uh, believe or see that people reflect their value in the world is through what they do, through the things that they create in the world or they do with their hands or the change that they can impact on the world, as well as you spoke about meritocracy. Can you talk about that more and your perspective on, you know, proactivity, creation in the world? how people are valued and should be, and your definition of meritocracy in life in general. So, I mean, I personally think people should be valued by their skill sets and abilities. And I also think you have to take into account their background, right? Like a person who's genetically gifted and six foot seven who enters the NBA is not the same as someone who's only five, eight and undersized who makes the NBA, right? Because certain systems favor certain individuals. Right. So you're going to see certain in the job market, certain industries favor certain individuals, and it's not always based on skills and abilities. There are plenty of great programmers who are sort of denied jobs because, oh, HR says you must have a degree. There are plenty of great business people who couldn't get a job because they didn't have an MBA, despite having the ability to do so. So that and meritocracy is very, it's a very complex thing to define, right? Most people, I think what they do is they simplify this definition. But, you know, you have to really take into account context. Context is everything. And I like the way I look at a meritocracy is that everybody has equal access to opportunity, right? Like the Ivy League is not a meritocracy, in my opinion, because, again, if your parent, there's someone from my high school who I found out last year, the high school I went to, his parents pay six thousand dollars for a college essay. So how are you going to say it's a meritocracy when someone like that, who basically had someone write his essay, has a higher chance than someone who can't even afford a tutor. And again, that's why I like, you know, sometimes these systems are trying to, you know, do a lot of things, but you're going to see a lot of people who come to these institutions, they come from wealthy background, they come from privileged background. And the ones that don't, they have an uphill battle that I I didn't come from that wealthy background. Look, I'm a very smart. I'm like very smart when it comes to academics and all that. And I had parents who did get me tutors, but the tutors didn't, you know, they couldn't afford $6,000 for an essay, just little, you know, just immigrant parents who, you know, paid for tutoring. But when I went to Columbia, I still had to work, right? I had to make gas money. I had to, you know, make, I had to tutor. So that way, instead of using the free route that 
takes an hour, I could get to school in 30 minutes. So I could have the extra 30 minutes throughout my day, right? Whereas a rich kid, that's not even something they worry about. That's not a, they can worry about this. They can fully focus on school. Whereas someone like me and a lot of people, they can't really focus fully, right? And that really causes discrepancies. That's actually beautiful. I was speaking to someone the other day and he asked me, what do I stand for? And it relates a lot. I see it in what you said. And I gave him this metaphor that I believe life these days is more of an oligarchy and these people who already made it, made it are putting moats around their wealth and the access and keeping the little guy out without any cards to play with. And what I want and what I no, care I, about is yeah. to give that little guy more cards so that we have more of a balance, access and a chance and to stack the deck in our favor so that we can have the possibility to play there and to get access to that part of life where we want to go. But there are so many obstacles and it's not as simple as we think it is because a whole culture and a whole history of things is making it an uphill battle, like you said. You are going to say something, I noticed. No, I mean, look, what you keep speaking because you're speaking the truth. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to interrupt you when you're speaking that. <laughs> so go ahead, keep no. finishing and I'll go. No, man, it's, it's about you today. I want to discover more ab about you. And I will ask you one thing. Okay. okay. The world is unfair. I remember, you know, yeah. so, some guy was watching a YouTube video and he said, one of the it things is. that your parents tell you when you're young, where you're like crying like a baby, oh, they took my toy. Or why does that kid have that toy that I don't have? They say, son, the world is unfair. It's good that you know it now. So to you, I find that one of the problems that people have is they don't know how to communicate their value. Oh, because man. The truth is that to humans, everybody, it's a sea of unimportant, undescript people. And for you to stand out, it's not about like acting like a clown or trying to be manipulative or whatever. Clearly communicate your value and you will be valued. So to you, since you're an expert at this, what is value? since I believe it's relative, how yeah. do you communicate your value and how do you believe in your value in a world of status anxiety, as, as some people would call it, where somewhere you can go to the metro and you're worthless and then you go to your work and you have some worth and then at home yeah. your mom treats you like a kid and then, <laughs> yeah, it's true. And then you go to your boss and he tells you you're smart and then you go to buy a pizza and they don't serve you well because you're not the right color or whatever. So you don't yeah. know who you are, what's your worth. Tell us more about this and speak. So value, again, like you said, it, it is relative. But in order to communicate your value, you have to know your value. Because I work with a lot of people without college degrees and a lot of people, they sell themselves short, regardless of whether or not they have a degree. I just see it very common. They don't think they're good enough. They they focus on their competition. And I I tell people when they're applying for jobs, you got to focus on yourself. You got to focus on what you bring to the table. You can't control what other people have, right? You can't control their skills. All you can do is focus on what you bring to the table. You have to know what you're good at, what you're not good at. And you have to show that you're always eager to learn. Focus on your strengths. And I think a lot of people focus so much on their weaknesses and that clouds their judgment, right? Because if you only focus on your negative parts, right? The negative things you have and the negative qualities you bring to the table, you really can't communicate your value. So in order to, and value is how you can help somebody, right? So 
there are many ways you can help somebody. Like, for example, I have a lot of knowledge about how to do resumes, interview prep. Someone who has a job and who doesn't need to get in, you know, doesn't have interviews. That's not valuable to them. But someone without a job, very valuable to them. So you have to think that just because one place does not value you does not mean other people do. Right. Maybe your mom doesn't value, you, but your dad does. Maybe your cousin does and not your uncle. Right. So you have to think about where you're valued. Also, the thing is, you can also change your value that just because you're not valuable, you don't have certain skills today does not mean you can't have those skills tomorrow. Right. You can always increase your value. You can. And one of the easiest ways to do that, learn new skills, have more knowledge. Right. The other thing is you have to work on your communication skills. You have to be able to convey ideas so that other people understand a lot of conflicts stem from miscommunication. Right. It comes from misunderstanding. It comes from people not being able to effectively communicate what they want or what they bring to the table. And the thing is, when you're interviewing and you're looking for a job or even your business or you're trying to sell a product, what do you have to do? You have to communicate what that product does. You have to communicate what you bring to the table. And it, one thing is, is confidence is extremely important. Right. And confidence doesn't mean that I say I'm the best person in the world. It's knowing what I'm good at. I, I may not. I'm probably not the best resume writer in the world, but I don't need to be to be able to get my clients results. Right. So I, again, I'll let you ask the next question before I keep on going on. No, man, this is I don't know. This is going to be a different interview because I'm really passionate about this. And some of the points you made that reminded me of a great book I read by Luis Cozzolino, which is why therapy works and in it. He argues that low self-esteem is the standard natural way for human beings and we have to actively get out of that through work. Otherwise, that's uh, the state almost everyone in. And you talked about whether people have degrees or not, they undervalue themselves. And the worst part, which is, you know, paradoxical, your strengths are so normal to you that you undervalue them. You think they're common, but they're not. And that's one of the cores that I believe make people really don't see their value and their strengths because it's absolutely, by definition, your own strength is simple for you to do. It's something easy and therefore you don't devalue it. And like you said, communication skills, I remember I was uh, listening to Gary Vee a while ago and he said that's the last source of value left in this world, all knowledge you can you know watch a youtube video or read a few books and gain some good skills that 50 years ago people would spend their whole lives and get a phd to be able to access but today there is a possibility for you and every one of us to go through this this journey towards increasing our value and learning to communicate it ourselves and i loved your point about confidence because if you don't trust yourself people Look for you for the way they should view you. If you, you view yourself in a low way or an unconfident way, they will say, well, he knows himself better for 40 years, 30 years, 50 years. Then I trust that person's judgment better. And to you, do you have a story about a person that you helped communicate and understand their value better that took them almost from darkness to the light, from a place where their life was a lot of struggle to a place where things surprised them in how well they went. Yeah. So there was actually one client, right? Um, one of my earlier clients, I, I didn't even charge him. He, he just ended up giving me money later 
because he was so thankful. So he was unemployed, right? He went through a string of jobs where he only held it for a few months. He got fired. It's tough, tough, tough time in his life, right? Just a lot of things going on at once. And then I told him, I helped him with his resume. I helped him understand. Look, I was like, look, this is what you do. This is what you bring to the table. Because when I do resumes, right, I spend about three to four hours with the person, sometimes five plus. I asked him, like, what do you do? And most people are generic. And then I'll ask a follow-up question. And I keep digging deeper. And then I'll be like, wow, so you actually spent, like, I don't know, 500 hours this year on this on this skill, right? And they're like, yeah, I did. But they didn't try. They didn't ask themselves, right? To them, the 500 hours, right, day in, day out. You just kind of go like if you ask me how, you know, I'll say I did a lot of resumes. Then you ask me how many you did. I said I did over 100. How much does a resume take? Right. I did well over 100. Let's say like 200. Uh, let's say three to five hours. Average of four hours. So I've done 800 hours of resumes this year. Now, if you really think about it in context, that's 800 hours building a skill. Right. That's 800 hours more than someone who enters the field. Right. That puts me ahead. So just to kind of give some context. So I helped him. He, you know, he got some interviews and, you know, I think one job rejected him. But, you know, he did well. And, you know, a company hired him Tesla. So he got he got rejected from a lower job, got hired at Tesla. And he recently got promoted a few months ago. Right. He was like, hey, should I apply? I said, look, go ahead. You have good recommendations. And so, you know, the thing is, was he and was he necessarily a much superior person today? No, he's the same person as last year, but he really re- realized his value. And that's why he was able to succeed. Obviously, he has some more skills today, but. It's not like at his core, it's a night and day difference. He just had to know what he brought to the table. He had to know that, hey, I can do the job, right? I can bring this because there were other employers. The ones who fired him probably thought like, hey, this guy's a bad candidate. But sometimes it's just being in the right environment, right? It makes a big difference. So that's one of the candidates. The, uh, I mean, I work with so many people all the time and I'll really just ask them questions like, hey, what do you do? Well, you've done it, right? You've done it for X number of years. And you did it well. They didn't fire you the first week on the job. You must have been competent. And then when people really start asking themselves, they really think like, well, logically, I must have been okay. They didn't fire me. And this helps a lot of people realize what they bring to the table. That's great, actually. And you have probably thousands of hours of experience with this, which takes you to that level where you're looking for the 5% that makes the 95% of difference. Because really, that's the expertise of of finding that 5% and then go, going through nuances inside that that range to you when you meet somebody. Wait, wait, and can I cut you off? I, now I remember what yeah. I was going to say earlier. So you were mentioning how a lot of people, they, the meritocracy and society and sort of helping others. You know, one of the things about No Degree that I did was a lot of people without college degrees, right? They're a demographic that gets preyed upon, right? They get fed dreams, you know, pyramid schemes. Hey, you can make millions of dollars doing this. But in reality, the stats don't show that, right? That it's really not for them. And it's not. So, you know, one of the things about no degree that I like, I like, you know, I try to give equal access that to information. So my content, my podcast is free. It has no ads. If you look at my website, all the content is free. I think I'm going to create a course, but make it free. Maybe I might make a super cheap course of like 25 bucks. But again, that's not like the way I'm looking to make money because I realized that I want to give away as much knowledge for free because I know how it was. And I learned a lot, right, through either cheap books or for free. And it's because I simply just didn't have the money. Now that I have more money, I do pay for like resources that save me time. But like no degree, like one of the mission is I want to give away as much content for free. Look, 
I tell people who can't afford me or my services, like the personal one-on-one resumes and stuff, I tell them, look, read this article, listen to this podcast episode, X, Y, Z, do this, do that. This is how you do the research. Now go do it. It's going to take them more time, but that's okay. Right. My, some people have time, but not money. So I, you know, I want to be able to help other people out. Yes. And can you share why is helping so important to you, especially to the people who come to you for help through no degree? What is the thing that motivates you and moves you inside that makes this meaningful? Honestly, it's just seeing people succeed who thought they couldn't succeed, right? People who are rejected, like people without college degrees, right? All over the world, right? Especially coming from, I'm from Bangladesh. And if you're not educated and it's, don't think of, I'm thinking of educated as in you went to school, but don't think of educated means you went to school because a lot of people is confused that school equals education, that education comes in many forms that you're just looked down upon, right? I come from a society where my parents, oh, you must go to this school. And I went to those schools and what, you know, it's not like they taught me to become better people, right? It's not like I'm any better than someone else. And I realized that I'm only where I am because of the people that have helped me, right? There were people who helped me and they pulled me up and I want to be able to do that, right? Because so many people, right? So many other places, they only care about making money, right? And the only reason they help is because it makes them money, right? I walked away from a great job to sort of do this and I was broke, you know, well, for for over a year before. And thankfully, I live at home. So it's like, you know, I understand like the privileges that people have. And I want to make sure that more people just have access to education and information, because why not? That just uplifts society as a whole. And right, that's sort of what I want my legacy to be as someone who's like, hey, look, look, if I make money, good. But the real thing is I want to be able to impact lives, right? Being able to take people who are in a dark place or thought they couldn't do it. And now all of a sudden, like, wow, this is me. And, you know, no degree helped me do that. Yes. And I understand it so much, even like there are scientific studies that if somebody helps another person, the person helped feels good, the person helping feels good, and somebody who's watching from the sidewalk, that thing happening, they feel better and all feel happy just simply because of helping. It's a part of human nature that I believe is being like veiled For way too long, people start thinking that, oh, humans are not that good and they're selfish and there is so much bad in the world. But honestly, it's because the news and the clickbait and whatever, they try to hijack our attention because the human mind is made to be drawn towards negativity because it's dangerous. But the reality is there's so much good in this world, so many good people doing good things, including Junaid. And... And things are happening that they're not talked about as much as they should because they don't get as much attention as a dog who's biting a man or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, is. to add to that, you know, like it's not that the, there's not bad in the world, right? But there's also a lot of good, just like you said. And one of the things about life is you will find what you're looking for. And here's like a small experiment. Think of the color red. Right. And focus on red. Right. Try to find red in your life. Look at red cards. And then you'll see that you see there's a lot of red. There's red cards, red this, red books, red this and that. And then if I ask you, hey, what about the green? You'll be like, oh, I wasn't focusing on green. Right. So it's one of those things that it's like you will find what you're looking for. And and fear is humans respond to fear. Unfortunately, it's like a stronger thing that people are more afraid of losing than gaining than they are of, you know, the same feeling in the other direction. 
And it's like you have to realize that and you have to be aware of that because, again, think about the news. Hey, today was a good day. Everything was all right. Nothing really happened. No one's going to watch that. But now it's like, hey, the world's going to end tomorrow and all that. Not that sometimes there are legitimate there, but you kind of have to think about it from that lens and kind of take a step back and think about, hey, what's true and what's not? And, you know, what, you know, who do I listen to? Right. Does this person have an incentive to tell me the story in a way that's factual? Right. And I think you really have to do that because biases, right, can definitely change how you perceive so many scenarios. That's really true. I love what you talked about, the reticular activating system and all that stuff that we should detox our brains and pay attention to who is telling us what and where the agenda could be. And importantly, you as a person, I get the sense now and the understanding that because you grew up in a family from Bangladesh and you know that struggle of being like an underdog who even if you went to Colombia, it's not as, you know, as high as being one of those rich kids with all the doors open and everything easily accessible to you. And therefore, when you see the people who come to you to no deg- in no degree, you can resonate with their experience and feel that every single time one of them succeeds, it's like a testimony that there is goodness and hope and optimism in this world. What else is really important to you in life? I, I'm sure you're a smart person. You know more about like, what are your values? What are the things that drive you, that make you tick? You know, the things that, so I, I'm a career coach too, a certified career coach. So I, I, I like to test. So I'm someone, one of my top skills is that I have a lot of confidence in myself, right? It's pros and cons, right? Sometimes I'm so confident that I'll do the wrong thing, right? But good thing I'm surrounded by good people whose opinions and uh, values I respect too. I'm very futuristic, right? I want to change the future. I want to change. I like changing existing things that exist, not for good reason. Right. Or things that have been outdated. Right. There was a time. Look, college was affordable. It was easy. But I also like a lot of systems have pros and cons. And the cons really leave a lot of people out. Look, the good thing about college back in the day, you went to college, you would have done good. But the cons was if you didn't go to college, you were looked at differently. You were seen right as someone less worthy. And I didn't like that. Just like another thing, like, for example, I have something called delayed sleep phase disorder. What does that mean? That means I have a shifted circadian rhythm. So, you know, for example, I was in a call just before this and it was like, oh, what time? He's like, you don't wake up by 10 a.m. I was like, no, I typically don't. Why? But the thing is, I am awake the same amount of time. I still do the same things. It's just I wake up later and sleep later. Right. And if you think about it logically, why does it matter when you wake up? Right. By right. If you are getting the same things done and you can live your life and be productive, the time you wake up and the time you sleep is not as important as long as you're getting enough rest and doing everything you do. So I like changing things. I like questioning things. I like changing things for the better because someone like me, right? I, when I went to high school, I was tired all the time because of lack of sleep and waking up early. When I built a system where I don't have to wake up early, I'm 10 times more productive. Now I'm lucky in that my condition is not so fear that there are plenty of people who have this condition who struggle, right? They're depressed. They're seen as lazy. The thing is, look, I went to an Ivy League, right? I worked hard. I did my work. I'm not lazy. I just can't wake up early, right? And you see so much of society, you're valued. Oh, the CEO wakes up at 5 a.m. and they come in early to work, right? At the end of the day, it's like you got to focus on the value they provide. You could come in early to work and sit around all day. 
right? You could come in early to work and treat people like crap, whereas someone else comes late and they're great to work for. So I just like questioning things. I like building people up, right? Because again, one of the reasons I got my first job was because someone I went to undergrad with, his neighbor was someone high up in the company I interviewed at. So he got me in the door. I did the rest, but he got me in the door. And if I didn't get in that door, who knows where my life would have been, right? So it's like these things, they all have an impact. I understand like, yes, I was an underdog, but look, I was also the first one finished on test. Why? Because look, I'm just quicker on tests, right? Naturally, for whatever reason, right? Whereas some people, they could study 10 hours and they still, what I study like 30 minutes, I'll still beat them. So I realized that, but then you also put me in an art class and someone naturally comes and draws things and I suck, right? So I understand that everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, right? That's why like one of my strongest skills is self-awareness. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And unfortunately, a lot of people give advice without being self-aware and they only give advice to a specific type of individual. Like you see the common advice is wake up early and you'll be successful. That works for a certain type of individual. Someone with my condition, it does not work. So I just like changing things, bringing awareness to a lot of issues that people face. Because again, it's these people who are underdogs that if you put them in the right environment and give them the right resources, they can also do their part to contribute to the world and make the world a better place. That's that's wonderful. It's like Einstein said that if you take a fish and make it try to yeah. climb a tree, it will not know its value. And right here, it's 1 a.m. I'm similar to you. And especially since I read that book, The Productivity Project, where he debunked the myth that waking up early is really the cause of productivity. It's not. It's what you do in the hours that you're awake that makes the difference in your productivity. You can wake up at 5 a.m. and do nothing all day or barely anything. And you can wake up at noon and be 10 times more productive. And I love that, you know, and in art, I'm really, 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 really bad. I draw, the best I can draw are some stick figures. Yeah, same here. (laughs) And deformed, you know, hands and objects. And to ask you a question that I find to be very, very valuable which I prepared to ask just specifically at the end of our conversation. If we were having this discussion five years from today and you were looking back over these five years, what has to have happened in your life, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy with your progress? Look, I'm going to tell you, especially after 2020, I can't even answer that. You know why? Because you asked someone five years, you asked someone last year, right? Last year, how, what do you think 2020, all of them would have been wrong, right? How many people predicted the pandemic? How many people predicted this thing? So it's just like, for example, I, I only started one of my companies in March and it, you know, it's doing really well. So for me, it's like, to keep it simply, I just want to move forward. I just want to make sure I'm a better person. I want to make sure that I'm helping people. I want to make sure that I grow my company. I want to make sure that I, you know, my partners can go full time, but I don't do details, right? I don't specifically, like a lot of people say, you have to have this long detailed out plan, but at the end of the day, it's always wrong, right? It's always wrong. Things always happen. Things always change, but I just want to improve my skills. I want to make sure I help those around me. I want to stay true to my character. And I just want to be like the same part that, when people see me that they're not like, wow, this guy is not who he used to be, right? He's changed for the worse, right? I only want them to be like, hey, man, he's even better than he was. And that's kind of what I want, right? Just be a good person and impact the world. That's great. It's like Mike Tyson, I think he said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the best plans don't survive enemy contact. How can people find you? What companies are you working in or involved with? How can you help people who are listening today? And where can they get in touch and learn from you, get to know you and all that you're working on? So LinkedIn is the easiest way to connect with me. You search up J-O-N-A-E-D, you'll find me. I mean, check out nodegree.com. I'm actually publishing a lot more content. Uh, I have a podcast called the No Degree Podcast, where I interview people on without college degrees and have them share their story so other people can follow in their path. And that's on nodegree.fm. Uh, LinkedIn is, again, one of the best places for if you listen to this podcast, you say, hey, I listen to you on Abdulaziz's podcast, I'll, you know, I'll always reply. If I don't reply, send me another message. I'll be like, oh crap, I didn't, I didn't respond to you. So that's sort of how you could sort of get with me. I mean, look, for my virtual events company, I sort of have worked with a lot of clients. We typically don't disclose that, but I place, and when I work for job seekers, I focus on working with the job seeker and equipping them with the tools and knowledge so they can get placed at company. So I don't necessarily always work directly with the companies. And I've worked with some small to medium-sized companies, but I focus more on equipping the job seekers. So some of the pe- I've placed people, I've helped people get jobs at Tesla, Amazon. What else is there? New York Public Radio, the IRS, uh, MetLife, uh, AT&T. Uh, I got someone in an interview at Sony Music recently, Adorama. So I've sort of done it for a lot of different people. That's great. And I will make sure to put your LinkedIn link in the description of the episode and other relevant information about you. Well, this was beautiful. And to everybody listening, I highly recommend, even if you're not a job seeker, but I'm sure some people at some point might be listening and they want to find jobs and be placed in good companies in a way where they show their real value so that when the HR department or the recruiters, they see their CV and hear from them, they will stand out and they will be valued at the value that they provide, not underestimated or mistreated or rejected only because they have value, but they don't know how to communicate it. And Junaid is the person for that. I recommend you all to check him out. And for everybody listening, if you go right now, subscribe, rate this podcast, and write a review, I will give you a full one-hour consultation session for your business to increase revenue and get you more of the right messaging that will get you more clients. Because the no-code community, the, the thing is, so many people are good at technical work. They put their hearts and souls to change the world, but when it comes to engaging marketing that is effective and messaging that increases revenue, that's a challenge. And I can give a full one hour free about that. And again, check Junaid at nodegree.com. Good night to you. No, good night. Thank you. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And just by having this conversation with you, I know that you're a genuine person and you're always looking to provide value. It was fun being here.